This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite tools is a flashlight. This is the first flashlight I owned, which is a large mag light. It's a great light. It takes about 500D batteries and lasts for about three minutes. Great heavy light that I remember just purchasing as the first flashlight. Since then, I have developed a love for a small tactical light. I'll keep a small tactical light in my car or on my bedstand because I love to be able to shine light into darkness and see what's there or who's there. Another light that I often use is a headlamp. I love to be able to camp with a headlamp, work on my car with a headlamp, put it on, it frees up my hands to be able to work on a task, to be able to see into other places that that I can actually accomplish the work at hand. There are so many lights that I love to use. Probably one of the reasons that I love lights is because I don't really love darkness. Even when I'm camping and it's the evening hours and I go outside, and I'm enjoying those dark nights, it's only so that I can see the heavenly lights, the lights that God has hung in the sky, the stars and the moon. Probably one of the best lights though on the planet today is the light that's on the back of your phone. I don't know about you, but there are so many times when I need a light and I just grab it from my phone. So thank you, Steve Jobs, for putting a light on my phone. Now, when I think about lights, not only are they used for certain times when you need to illuminate a certain area or accomplish a task at night. But we actually bring lights into our life because they're beautiful, because they actually accent certain things. They generate moods. And so you think about the lights that you have under your cabinets or the Edison bulbs that you bought because they looked cool and the way that we have fashioned them around our homes or in our life to have ambient lights because We love the moods that they set. Light is an amazing thing. I would say this, you were made for light. And I know you're made for light because God gave you sight, which is why blindness is such a challenge. Is that God has given you eyes and for your eyes to see the reality of life around, to see the beauty of life around, to enjoy the world that God has made, you need light. I don't know if you've ever been into a really dark cavern or a cave in which they turn off the lights and you can't even see the hand in front of your face. It is an unsettling moment. We're made for light. Now that is the background of how much we love light and have lights in our world. Jesus makes this profound statement when he says, I am the light of the world. We're looking at these I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And as each I am statement is unpacked, they could just be seen as very clear statements of his personality of who he is, but there's so much more than that. They are not simply personality traits. They are the ontological personhood of who he is. And so if you're wondering who God is, let's get around these statements where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So open back up to John and we're gonna go to John chapter eight and look at John chapter eight, verse 12. Here Jesus makes this statement. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
three things I want you to see today. That Jesus is the light, that we are called to follow the light, and that he gives us light, our life. So the first thing is Jesus says, I am the light of the world. When the Bible thinks about light in its themes, it's often talking about its life, its truth, its goodness, its rightness, its beauty. And so I want you to see this from cover to cover. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, John doesn't want us to miss the connection from the beginning to the end. So go to the very first page of your Bible, Genesis chapter one, verse one, where God says this, or this is recorded for us of in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said with his words as an instrument, he said, let there be light. And there was light. There was darkness and in darkness, there's chaos, disorder, and now light comes in. And what we're gonna see is that light and darkness become domains that are separated from each other. And light penetrates the darkness and separates it. And it says, and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning on the first day. And after light, the goodness of light entered the world, life began. And you see the creation of life coming from light. That's chapter one, page one of your Bible. Now at the end of your Bible, go to the last page in your Bible. It's Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22 gives us this picture of new heavens and new earth, a kingdom of light that God has established, reconciling all things to himself, mending every wound, wiping every tear. And there's this worship ceremony happening in the throne room of God. And it says this about the new heavens and the new earth. Check it out, verse five. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. That the presence of the Lord himself will be light. How is that possible? This is John tells us, God is light. When Jesus is making the statement that I am the light of the world, the awesomeness of that statement is that there is light that is Jesus and there is darkness and there's nothing in between. If you have light, it is from Jesus. Jesus is the light. John doesn't want us to miss this. And so when he opens up his gospel on this account so that we would believe in Jesus Christ as the savior, John chapter one, verse one connects the light of the world to Jesus. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So in the beginning, we just read in Genesis was God. And how did he create? He spoke word. That's Jesus. The instrument is Jesus. Let there be light. He was in the beginning with God, John says. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. This is Jesus. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse nine, look what John says. The true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's, that's the, the preface of Jesus's arrival. Genesis to the end, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the life 
of the world. He is the one that illuminates our world. It is this Jesus. There is light found in none other than him. The second thing that he says here is, I'm the light of the world. This is John, back to John chapter eight, verse 12. And all who follow me will not walk in darkness. Now, the context of I am statements is really fun. One of the things that I've been challenged with is when you see one of the I am statements that we're unpacking on the weekends is to read a bit broader and a bit older in the story. So broader means read the chapter before and maybe the chapter after because John is using the I am statements in connection with one of the narratives that Jesus just came out of, maybe a teaching, maybe a miracle, to connect the I am statement with a greater, broader truth. So last week when Pastor Tom was talking about Jesus being the bread of life, right before that was the feeding of the 5,000 with bread. And there was a connection of the manna in the Exodus story. Something very similar is happening here with the light of the world. That just before John chapter eight is John chapter seven. And what's happening in John chapter seven is one of the best festivals in the Jewish calendar. It's called the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. It's at the end of the fall season, the harvest has come in and the party is beginning. It's, it's a celebration of all that God has done. And one of the key elements of this festival is light. Now this the idea of booths or tabernacles is they would actually set up tents to live in for about a week, eight days. And in this eight day period, as they lived in tents, they were to do something. They were to remember the Exodus story of how God brought them out of slavery into the land of promise. And during that wilderness time, they lived in tents. There was not a permanent residence. Another key element is light. And they would light these large candelabras in the evening and have festive dances until the morning. And every evening they would light these lights to remember the light that led them out of slavery into promise and then to look forward to the light of the Messiah that would ultimately come and lead them back to the, the throne of David, the restoration of Israel. So let's look at Exodus really quick. Go to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13 records of this great light that led them in the wilderness. Exodus 13, verse 27, 21 says, the Lord went before them, that's the company of Israel, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. That this light does not leave them ever. And so what Jesus is connecting to is, remember that, that festival we were just part of? And as the candelabra, the lights were extinguished in which we remembered God's leading in the wilderness. I am that light. I am that light to follow. And as we look forward to the light of the Messiah coming to lead us ultimately out of our bondage, I am that light. And that light not only led them, but protected them. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. That in this cloud and in this pillar was the angel of the Lord. And verse 19 says, then the angel of God who was going before the hosts of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved before them and stood behind them and hemmed them in to lead them in the front and protect them from the rear as Egypt was pursuing. Coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness and it lit up the night without one coming near to the other all night. 
So you're God's people. You're following him out of slavery into the land of promise. And he has hemmed you in with light. But to Egypt, it looks like darkness. They can't see. They can't see God's people. Where'd they go? They're going through the Red Sea. And so God not only protects, but provides. So he is the light and we are to follow the light. He leads us from places of bondage to places of promise. That's what his light does. So what does it mean to follow the light? To follow him as the light? It means that we follow his words. If Jesus is light, then his words, as the psalmist says, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. What does that mean? The light shines on my feet to show me reality of where I stand, where I am. And then it illuminates what's in front of me, where I'm going, my future. And so God's word is a lamp, like a headlamp. We put on the words of Christ, God's word to illuminate what is the reality of where I am standing and where is the path forward? So we say that Jesus is light and we follow him. It means that Jesus illuminates what it means for me to be a man, to be a husband, what it means to be a woman, to be a wife, to be married. What does it mean to be generous and kind? What does it mean to have your sins forgiven? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be a reconciler? What does it mean to be a community member, a citizen of a nation? All of those things are words of life that Jesus has given us, that we take his word as a lamp and shine it around our feet and say, this is the reality of life. It's not these other lights that are trying to tell me what's real. It is Jesus Christ and his words. And then it casts light in front of me for me to walk in and follow on this path of life. Now you say to yourself, that's great. I love light. Jesus is light. I want to follow Jesus. Why would, why would anyone not follow the light of the world? John tells us that comes after one of the most famous verses in the Bible. So just flip two chapters or two pages over to John chapter three and you find John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. All right. The light came in the world because of God's love rescue mission to bring people out of darkness. Why would people not follow? John tells us, Verse, we'll forget up in verse 19. This is the judgment though. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Why doesn't, anyone, why doesn't everyone come to the light? Is because their deeds are dark, are wicked, are evil. And as out of fear of being exposed, they retreat further into darkness away from light. How, who would do that? Well, I would. I don't know about you, but I am, I'm, I am very much aware of my own sin. And at first you think, I don't want to be exposed. I don't want God's light to shine into every corner of my life, every closet, under the bed, on my web history, because I'm going to be seen clearly for who I am. But that's a lie in there. 
that you should be afraid to come to the light. It's probably a lie that Adam and Eve believed and hid from God when he came calling for them. We should not be afraid of the light because his light does not come to harm, but to heal. It does not come to bring shame on your life, but salvation. His light is the healing light of a lamp like a physician's. Just think of a couple of different rooms in the world today and what happens there. Think of rooms that are filled with light. You're gonna think of medical rooms, uh, clean rooms, those who are trying to perform operations. Think of when you go to a doctor and they shine light in your throat, in your ear, up your nose. They're doing surgery and they have bright lights. Think of a dental office that's working on your teeth and there's bright lights shining into your mouth. Why? It's because a good physician doesn't want anything that is of sickness or death to be hidden from them. They wanna search and find it all so that they can bring healing and rescue to the person. That is the light of Christ, that he would shine into our life every cavity of our existence so that we would see our sin and find healing in every single area of our life, not to shame us, but to save us. And then think of other rooms in our world. Think of the low-lit lobbies or the dark-trimmed dens. And what happens in those rooms that people don't want to be seen clearly. They don't want to be recognized in the things that they're doing. That's the difference between darkness and light. Different domains. And you belong to one or the other. And here, God says, I have come. The light of the world has been sent so that you would not remain in darkness, in sickness, but that you would come to the light and have your sickness exposed so that you can be saved. That's why we follow the light. Jesus makes this statement to his hearers then. This is John chapter eight, verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I and he, you will die in your sins. So he's saying, I've told you I'm the light of the world. And here's a predicament. Unless you believe me and receive me, follow me, you'll die in your sins in this darkness. Now, oftentimes when the Bible talks about being separated from God, it talks about being cast into outer darkness, into hell. And the reality of that is not that God is doing these great things with the kingdom and he's kicking people out and sending them into darkness, but that we live in darkness. This is our estate, that we are in our sins and light has come in to draw us out, to leave the kingdom of darkness and be joined to the kingdom of the beloved son, to leave this domain and belong to this domain. And those who say, I do not want the light. He says, time is coming when I will retract my light and the state that we're all in will become permanent. Will become permanent. Now, that's a terrible thing. That's a frightful thing. But isn't that not reality? If Jesus is the light of the world and he is exposing what is true, do you not want to hear what's true? You and I have a sickness of sin. It keeps us in darkness. Jesus has come on an epic rescue mission as the light of the world, the light of life, to draw all who will want out to come with him.
And those who say, I want nothing, he will simply leave in their state of darkness and it'll become permanent. But that's this last thing. So if he's the light of the world and we follow the light, this last blessing right here in the statement is that we will have the light of life, that he gives his life to us, that we actually take on his light and become children of the light, people of the light, light in the world, as though we're little lights shining around the world, helping people find themselves to the ultimate light, Jesus Christ. And so we are little lights scattered around like lighthouses on the coast, helping other people navigate the troubled seas in the midst of a storm. They might come and find safe harbor in the true light, which is Jesus Christ. And we are called children of light, that we have the light of life. To have Jesus Christ is to have life. And so we don't simply walk in darkness anymore. Paul tells us that we should expose the deeds of darkness, first allowing that in our own life, and then in those around us, our brothers and sisters, help them see that light can shine in and bring healing and salvation. So this is the profound statement about who God is, who Jesus is, that he and the Father are one from beginning to end. He is the light of life. And like a plant that will die apart from the sun's light, so too we will perish apart from the light of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. I don't know if, you, if you've sensed God calling you into his light to belong to him today. If you wanna know how do you receive Jesus Christ, it, this isn't the, the magic prayer to pray. This is just words of repentance and surrender. And so I would love to pray for you. I'd love to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. And for those who already know Christ, but are living in darkness and are afraid of being exposed, I'm telling you, there is freedom on the other side, allowing God's word, his light to illuminate your life. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great pastors in history said this, said, friends, if you are afraid of the light, be suspicious of yourself for it is deception that dreads detection. It is the lies in our life about who God is. Can we trust him? Who I am? Can I be forgiven? That love to lay low in darkness. Sin thrives in secrecy. And so if, if you are a man or a woman that loves to keep yourself private, no one gets to see your life, lest you be exposed. Friend, I'm telling you, there is freedom and life on the other side of allowing the light of life to shine into your world and expose all the corners of your life and experience the fullness of forgiveness. I know we all have a bunch of lights that we use. The only question is, do you have the light of life, Jesus Christ? Here are some words if you wanna receive him. Pray with me. Father, as we look at the I am statements of your son, that reveal his divinity, his history with you from beginning to end, unending eternal. We just confess that we have tried to be our own lights and we are not. 
We confess that we have tried to illuminate our own realities and have failed. And so, Father, would you forgive us? Father, we profess that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and that we need him. Father, we ask that you would forgive us of all of our sins so that we would be alive in your son Christ and not dead in our sins in darkness. And Lord, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters, believing brothers and sisters that have remained hidden, afraid of the light. Would you remind them of the great physician's work that exposes sin and death to bring more life and freedom? And so Father, I pray for us as a church, as a body of Christ, to be scattered this week as little lights of life, to illuminate the gospel in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities and around the world. Lord, I pray for our country as well, that we would recapture the light that we once had a beacon of hope that was profoundly, distinctly different because of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. And so Father, I I just pray that you would do the necessary work that only you can do to search us and know us and lead us forward, shine light in dark places. May it please you to do so. It's in your name we pray, amen.